Coming up on today's edition of Locked on Eagles, Doug Peterson is officially a head coach once again in the NFL. We'll get into that. And it's also the fourth year anniversary of Super Bowl 52. We'll reminisce and talk Jason Kelsey, who does not sound like he wants to retire. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. You are Locked on Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. It's episode number five of LOE this week, and it's five of five as we go Monday through Friday on all podcast platforms on YouTube as well. And we're on Twitter at Locked On Birds, at DiBiase LOE, and at GC24 underscore football. As I said, we'll talk Doug Peterson today, Jason Kelsey. Uh, Gino, happy anniversary though, man. Four years ago today, our lives changed forever. The Eagles won their first Super Bowl in the most perfect way, beating the greatest quarterback of all time who had, to me, his best Super Bowl performance, at least statistically, throwing for over 500 yards. So I've celebrated today by, uh, I'm still in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, but the players have the day off. So I've just been reminiscing and uh, re-watching the game. I think a lot of us have, and it was unofficially the first time you and I had ever met. I was going to say, four years ago, we met today. Yeah, We didn't really know each other until a couple months later after uh, the Super Bowl happened, and we became co-hosts of this show. But, Lou, one thing that the Eagles will always be able to say, they're the last team to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That's right. That's right. And nobody can ever take that away from us. (laughs) Nobody can ever take that away from the Eagles. And in the fashion that they did it, Lou – It's one of those games that you could turn on. If it's on NFL Network, just sit back and watch it because even as a fan of the team and somebody who might not be a fan of the team, impartially, it's a great football. It was the last good Super Bowl we've had still to this day, right? I mean, there really hasn't been a good one since, I would say. Yeah, I mean, outside of the Chiefs' last quarter between them and the Niners, the Rams one wasn't that great. Tampa Bay, I mean – they really dominated most of that game. And then, like I said, that Chiefs-Niners bowl, it kind of was one of those things where, yeah, we thought the Niners were going to run away with it. All of a sudden, here comes Pat Mahomes. Jimmy G does what Jimmy G does. Pat Mahomes does what Pat Mahomes does. But in a game where everybody thought Tom Brady was going to do what Tom Brady does with Mm -hmm. the ball in his hand on that final drive, the Eagles kind of broke the narrative around that and were one of the first teams to really leave the field against Tom Brady Mm -hmm. where Tom wasn't on the better end of things. So it was exciting to see. And four years ago today, man, I really can't believe that it's been that long. Yeah, we were both at the Fillmore in downtown Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and that's still greatest day of my life. And the way they did it with a backup quarterback – you know, going toe for toe with the goat who had, mm-hmm. you know, 500 yards. And like you said, I mean, when they scored that, that Zach Ertz touched on him, like there's too much time on the clock, but um, the way they did it again, it, like you said, it, it was, it was perfect. And um, so yeah. it's four years. I can't believe it's already been four years. Gino, what's up before we're going to dive into Doug Peterson today, who got hired by the Jaguars on the eve of the four year anniversary of Super Bowl 52. You know, again, I see a lot of people today as they should reminiscing about the Philly special, the touchdowns to Alshon Jeffrey, Corey Clement, two of the filthiest Super Bowl plays in history. You know, the Zach Ertz game winner, the fourth mm-hmm. down conversion. But like, what's something, maybe a play or a performance, like what's something maybe people forget or don't talk about as much from that game that you remember most? 
I'd say what you said and using that word of being perfect, that yeah. Eagles offense had to be perfect that game. And you look at performances like and Green Bay too. Yes. And that's the thing. And you look at performances where a team might've only played 59 of the 60 minutes. The Eagles had to play the whole thing. You look at Atlanta in that 28 to three game, you look at Seattle in the game where Tom Brady, or they get that interception on the or last the AFC play. title two weeks before with Jacksonville. Absolutely. They didn't put the foot down on the gas and Jacksonville might've been a blessing in disguise for that team because they saw what that Jacksonville team went through when they let their foot off the gas, the Eagles going for it on that fourth down in your own territory was a revolutionary idea. And that's where Doug Peterson's saving grace was. It was that fourth down call all year long. And he stuck yep. to that game plan and they didn't go away from that. They knew, and much like a team like the Bills a couple weeks ago, who continued to just go for it and go for it, but then the one time they have the ball in their own territory late in a game where they could have gone for that fourth down, Lou, when you know you have to be perfect. The Eagles, I can't complain about that Super Bowl because every call they made was bang on and exactly how you had to win to beat an offense, which even taking Brandon Cooks out of that game, Tom still threw for 505. I mean, if you're not perfect for one of those drives, you end up losing that game 41 to 33 on the reverse end of it. That's an underrated part too, by the way. Malcolm Jenkins taking out Brandon Cooks. Not that I wanted him to get hurt, but Cooks was killing the Eagles. I was watching the first mm -hmm. half of the game before we started recording, and Brandon Cooks was having a day. Who knows what happens if he stays in that football game? Right. You know, do you know it's funny? I was thinking about it last night in a something I remember that maybe isn't talked about as much. It's two Eagles players that are maybe some of the biggest memes on Eagles Twitter over the last five, six, seven years had their best performance in the Super Bowl. And then they fell off again, you know, a couple years later, pretty consistently after that Super Bowl. But Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills, like rewatching that game, I mean, Aguilar had nine catches, some huge plays. I thought it was his best performance of his career. Jalen Mills, people forget in the first half when Rob Gronkowski was playing more on the right side, Mills was locking him down. He was having a great performance. And then the Patriots knew that. And so they moved Gronk to the left side. And they also knew Jim Schwartz doesn't really have guys shadow in that mm -hmm. defense. And so Gronk started tearing up Ronald Darby and Corey Graham. But, you know, it's funny that like Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills, anytime you say those names on Eagles Twitter, instantly there's a consensus where everybody just cringes. But they had their, they saved their best performance for the biggest stage, which is crazy. I mean, that's another thing that happened mm -hmm. in that game. Like there were so many players that didn't really do much after that just caught lightning in a bottle at the perfect time. Obviously the Corey Clement performance is the perfect representation of that. That's all you really need. And they knocked off one team in Case Keenum and the Vikings that were catching lightning in a bottle. The Eagles just did it way better. And going into that NFC championship game, you brought up Corey Graham. I rewatched that game. I forgot he had like a interception at the end of that game because it was already over and out of hand right. at that point. But you're right. Just the playmakers around that Super Bowl that really came up big when it mattered. Halapuli Vadi Vaitai got a mega contract from the Detroit Lions simply because of what he did in that run-up to the Super Bowl. And what Jeff Stoutland and all, I mean, even Jim Schwartz at the time, he didn't have the greatest secondary, but I thought he deployed them in a way that at least subdued the Patriots enough well, for they them to have them. to make. Yeah. adjustments in that second yeah. half. They held that's something you don't see times. from Bill too often. If they if you can't get things going and you frustrate Bill Belichick, it's only a handful of times you probably could say that he's gone through that 
type of environment in a Super Bowl type of field, too. I mean, 28 to 3, of course, you have to turn it around. But the Eagles were having their way with them, not just on offense, but defense, too. I mean, they really could do anything in regards to going down the field against the Patriots defense. And the Patriots offense, as much as they were moving the ball, the Eagles still were able to kind of keep them in check. The, one of the biggest plays of the game, Lou, was that missed field goal where they bobbled mm -hmm. the snap and he ends up hitting the, the field goal post. I mean, yeah. you get three points there. You get another extra point that they missed as well. That's that. Those points add up there. And the Eagles' the red zone really, defense was huge, you know. And yeah, before they, they that really played kick, well. Yeah, and then before that missed kick was the Roddy McLeod body slam of Brandon Cooks. Like, that's an underrated mm -hmm. moment too. The defense, yeah, again, they allowed – you know, almost over 600 yards from scrimmage, but their red zone defense in the first half held the Patriots and stopped them from scoring touchdowns. And that was right. extremely crucial. Um, one other play I remember too, people forget Ronald Darby, who's another Eagles meme, especially for lockdown Eagles. We were not fans of Darby really throughout the years. He almost was the hero with that uh, near game winning game ending interception where he jumped that route on the left sideline and it went off his chest. I was rewatching the game and I'm like, I forgot that Darby was almost the hero at that moment, which is uh, something I do forget. And you could go through that roster too and like just look at the guys that were on that team. Like, Danelle Ellerby was a starter. Everyone forgets he was on that <laughs> inside <team. laughs> linebacker for that Super Bowl team. Like that, I completely forget that he is on that squad. And they were banged up going into that stretch, Lou. Like they had guys that Jason Peters was already out for the whole season. Darren Sproles wasn't in that game. I mean, a lot of the majority core guys that really got them up to that point over the previous season with Doug and then through that Super Bowl year weren't there. So it was the next man up mentality where Big V. Halapulivati Vitae is a game-starting Super Bowl champion left tackle. That performance in itself, with all those position coaches getting the best out of their guys situationally, which mattered in that game because all game long, they were in these situations where they had to make things go. The Philly special play, that fourth down play, uh, just areas where they couldn't afford to mess up. Everybody was prepared for that game to play 60 minutes plus of football. They almost had a chance that they could have went to overtime if the Patriots took yeah. that ball and scored that two-point conversion, which they very much could have done with maybe 20 more seconds on the clock. It was just the perfect day, and you really could not yeah. have scripted it better. And I just can't believe, I mean, time flies. The fact that that was four years ago already mm -hmm. does not feel like it's been that long. But uh, on the eve of the fourth-year anniversary of Super Bowl 52, the head coach of that game, who, as Gino said, pretty much called a perfect game, Doug Peterson, mm -hmm. he is now back in the NFL as a head coach, the Jacksonville Jaguars, signed him yesterday we'll get into that move coming up next right here on lockdown eagles but first a shout out to some of our sponsors and we start with get upside it's an incredible app that everybody who buys gas needs to know about our listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up just download the free get upside app in the app store or google play right now and use the promo code touchdown for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up don't pay full price of the pump anymore get cash back using get upside again download the app for free and use the promo code touchdown for 25 
25 cents per gallon or more in your first tank. Some people like myself who drive a ton are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back. And there's no catch. The money gets added right to your account and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Once again, download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code touchdown to get 25 cents per gallon or more on cash back on your first tank. That's promo code touchdown. And guys, today's show is also sponsored by the official sports book of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs. We've got the big game next weekend Bengals, Rams. There's a ton to bet on, and that is going to be, to me, an offensive explosion. It should be the first good title. Uh, the NFL has seen since Super Bowl 52 and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. They have up-to-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL if you're a hockey guy, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Friday edition of the show. We thank you for making Locked on Eagles your first listen each and every day. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. And guys, it's Super Week brought to you by GetUpside. There's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked on NFL podcast, Locked on Bengals and Locked on Rams. They're in Los Angeles all week covering the big game. And uh, again, like I said before, that could be the first entertaining Super Bowl that the NFL has seen since the Birds and the Patriots four years ago today. And since it is four years ago today that the Eagles won their championship, we're reminiscing and talking about that perfect day that was really led by their head coach, Doug Peterson. And Gino Doug is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was announced last night. And while he wasn't probably their first choice, he wasn't. The Byron Leftwich situation kind of all melted down because of Trent Baalke. But I'm happy for Doug. You know, after taking a year off, he looks really rejuvenated. And I think that's a perfect situation for Jacksonville. I think they really need a guy like Doug Peterson right now. Mm -hmm. And man, like you could just tell after 2020, and this isn't to, you know, remove responsibility from Doug. I thought he really struggled to surround himself with a really strong coaching staff after they lost Frank Reich and John Filippo. But you know what he had to deal with, with the front office and the ownership meddling a lot of the times, and he didn't really have much personnel say and, you know, in 2020, they were kind of handpicking his coaching staff for him. So there was a lot of obstacles he had to overcome. And especially in 2018 and 2019, like what they had to do to get those teams to the playoffs, he just looked shot and just like after 2020 that he needed a year off. Right. I mean, so he does seem a lot more rejuvenated and I'm excited to see what he can do with Jacksonville. I still think he's a really good head coach. I put this out a couple weeks ago on Twitter. I used the, the meme maker, and it was the dominoes falling, where there's one small domino, and they just get progressively bigger. And the bottom domino was Chip Kelly being hired by the Philadelphia Eagles. The top domino was Josh McDaniels getting hired by the Las Vegas Raiders. Now you can add another domino on the other side of that. Doug Peterson is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars because if the Eagles never hire Chip, then Doug Peterson never comes into play, Right. So if Doug never comes into play, we never get to where we are, to where Sirianni is in place now, to where Doug ends up in Jacksonville. And what he did after that Chip Kelly area, where they had a guy very similar to Urban Meyer, not as big of an egomaniac, but somebody who definitely thought he was bigger than the organization, 
what did they need? They needed somebody who would have a good control on that locker room. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson is going to be a saving grace just to hear around Jacksonville. And you're right, Lou. You and I, we we will always speak highly of Doug Peterson. Yeah. It's it's a lot of things that went awry that were out of his hands that really kind of got to the point where it was with Andy Reid back in like 2012 where yeah. you're just like, okay, it, 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 it's time to go. But it happened a little quicker with Doug. There were a lot of facets to that. But right now, I think he's in a prime position in an organization that really needs that that heartbeat to their locker room. You can't ruin a kid who you just spent nearly two years trying to get in Trevor Lawrence. The cons want the best in that organization, but they have Trent Balky, who is one of the general managers who, if you hate Howie Roseman, yeah, I was gonna say, you think you're Howie's not a general, a, a Jaguars fan because you yeah. would hate Trent Balky. He's had what four, he's fired four head coaches in the last four years, I think. Mm-hmm. So, but you're right, man. Doug Peterson is the perfect antidote to a crazy general manager yeah. and a former ruthless head coach. I mean, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. like he righted the ship. Chip Kelly left this team in ruins after 2015. And the way Doug helped this team turn it around and win a championship two years later, and he did it. And not to say Howie Roseman is Trent Balky, but as we mentioned, there was a lot of things Doug had to overcome mm-hmm. in that front office and with the ownership. I think a lot of it too had to do with, I don't know how much they really believed in him to do certain things. I think they really trusted him to be a coach and a motivator and, you know, a play caller, a great quarterback guy, but I don't think they really trusted him with the coaching staff and with personnel and that stuff. And that's gotta be tough to overcome when you're a head coach. And, but for Jacksonville coming off of urban Meyer and having drip bulky, if there's one guy that's shown that he can thrive in those environments, it is Doug. And I think Trevor Lawrence desperately needs that, that coach. And Doug showed that with Carson Wentz, with Nick Foles, with Jalen Hurts, like he can gear an offense towards the strengths of his players and uh, his quarterback. And I think he's going to do wonders for Lawrence next year. I think the first thing that Jacksonville needs really before they can walk. And I I look at always like the Maslow's hierarchy. And this is one of those charts you've seen in your history classes or health classes going back where like, if you don't have clothes on your back, like you can't be secure and then you can't buy a home and then you can't find food so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. If you don't have a good culture in the NFL, the X's and O's don't matter. It does not matter. If guys hate coming to work every day, and I'm sure in that Jacksonville locker room, those guys dreaded it at times when Urban Meyer were there. You're not going to perform well on the football field. The best thing Doug can do is go in there and just be a good people person, which we know he can, and then follow the same formula with the X's and O's. Bring in smart guys that are good offensive coordinators. Kind of screwed yourself with Mike Grow after you had Frank Reich. Don't let yeah. that be the issue again. And, Lou, we keep talking about how, how there was so much meddling from the front office. I have heard that 2020 was a big wake-up call to the Philadelphia Eagles front office, and things started to change in 2021, moving into this new Nick Sirianni era. Mm -hmm. Hopefully everything left with Doug, but I hope now that Doug, who is getting laughed at by Rick Spielman of Minnesota, who will now be working with Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, I hope those two can actually do some good for that organization because, Lou, they have assets that you and I, we, we want to watch these guys. Like, you want to watch a Miles Jack. You want to watch a Trevor Lawrence. Like, you want to see these guys that can play. Go out there and play for a head coach that wants to see them succeed. 
Urban Meyer yeah. looked like he didn't even care to be on that football mm -hmm. field. Oh, yeah. If you thought Chip Kelly was bad, too, Urban Meyer is another level. So Doug definitely has his work cut out for him, but he's got pieces there. And players love playing for Doug Peterson. I mean, there's a reason. I wrote an article back in, I think it was like 2018, 2019. There was all this reunion talk, right? Deshaun Jackson wanted to come back. Vinnie Curry ended up coming back. There was a rumor in 2017 that Jeremy Macklin almost came back mm -hmm. from Baltimore to Philadelphia. And Nick Foles rejoined the team. There's a reason all of these players wanted to rejoin Philadelphia. It was because of the culture that Doug Peterson was building. And I think he's a, a people person, maybe to a fault. And that's what happened with the coaching staff is he was so, you know, in-house centric after Frank Reich moved on mm -hmm. and he wanted to promote from within. And maybe that has to do with his belief in his guys. And that kind of backfired with Press Taylor. And as you mentioned, Mike Grow, Corey Unlin, and kind of this consistent, um, I don't know, just tunnel vision with what they had there. I um, mean, that did kind of cost him, I think. But you know, it is a positive with the kind of, I mean, players don't want to let Doug Peterson down. I mean, I, I love his mentality and his style. And I think the Eagles did too. I don't think that's why he got fired because Nick Sirianni is very similar to Doug. I think he's maybe better with younger players. And when it comes to development, I think that's a key difference, but Nick Sirianni has a lot of Doug Peterson in him. And I think Philadelphia valued that. And it's why Sirianni was somebody they loved and brought in. And so I think Doug's still a really good coach. And um, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of people talk about when Frank Reich left, they gave Reich so much credit, but I think, you know, 2018 and 2019 were disappointments, but I think it's overlooked just how impressive I thought the job was at the end of the year, getting both of those teams to the playoffs because everything was going wrong. A major discussion you and I have on this show this year is the idea of Jalen Hurts, right? And where is his ceiling? I think we saw with Doug what his ceiling was, right? Like he's a very, very, very up to elite level of a player coach, right? But what is his X's and O's? And you and I see that with Nick Sariani now where we're like, okay, we see the people element, but then we also see the creativity to it. Like we see these Darius Slay getting put into the offense and things like that. For 2018, 2019, and 2020, Lou, I felt like we were watching the same offense a lot of that but time. But I will say, like, how, is that, how can you be creative, though, when you have Deontay Burnett and Josh Perkins on the field? You know, like how much and, of it was on Doug? Absolutely. But I always look back to those teams, Lou, and the idea, much like your quarterback, is he a player that you win with, win because of, or in spite of? Doug had to overcome a lot of coaches that they were winning in spite of. So yeah. credit to Doug for even though if the X's and O's with the guys that are behind him don't work out, he still had the player aspect to lean on, right? What were those 2018 and 19 teams running off of? It was the motivation of what they had in 17 and what mm -hmm. they could do down the stretch which when they believed in which, yeah. which Doug Peterson established that if we believe in, in each other, take mm -hmm. care of that business, we can make things work. And transferring that to Jacksonville, where they haven't had even a sniff of that idea, I'm glad. Like, I'll be rooting for Jacksonville all year, Luke. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to see Doug and what he can do, especially going against Carson Wentz, man. That's going to be fun two times a year. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, like, Doug's ability to get that team to fight, no matter what the situation, right. is also what Nick Sirianni did this year, and I love that in my head coach. 
yeah, the last thing before we take a break, you mentioned he'll be playing Carson Wentz and Frank Reich twice a year. So the whole, it was all Reich. Well, we'll see what happens as these two, you know, go head to head. That'll be exciting. And Gino, not only do those two teams play twice a year, but the Eagles will now be playing both Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz. We'll see what happens with the Colts in 2022. Mm-hmm. And Doug will be coming home. The Eagles game against Indy is in Indianapolis, but Peterson's going to come back to the link and that place should be roaring for Doug because I mean, he's got stats you outside the stadium i mean that's that's the head coach that won them their first super bowl and that i don't know how you can ever hate doug peterson same thing with andy reed i think him and andy kind of fall hand in hand with each other andy just because he was there for so long all the success he had over multiple different decades and doug for finally getting them over that hump and lou i think the one thing that i would like to finish with on this idea is Mm -hmm. that we're here with nick seriani right doug peterson in, t- in a way, is responsible for Nick Sariani because if Frank Reich never leaves to go to Indy and Frank doesn't want to hire a person, which I'm sure he liked to work with those style of people like Nick Sariani in Philadelphia, Sariani never goes to Indy. They never fire Doug Peterson. We never really know what you have in Nick Sariani because Reich, who is a reliable voice to the Philadelphia Eagles organization, doesn't mm-hmm. speak highly of him. And it's that butterfly effect. And that's why I love this league is because now we could be talking about stuff like yeah. Doug being the coach to the Jaguars. Here mm-hmm. we are in 2022, moving into another season where the Eagles, we're sitting back and saying, let's handle our business and let that show play out. The Eagles were, they were the head of the show for after that Super Bowl in 17, the whole Carson Wentz, Nick Foles thing in 2018, 2019. Now we could sit back and let the AFC South have to deal with what they have to deal with, you know? (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'll always just remember too, when Doug first got hired, it just felt like the Eagles again, Chip Kelly made that team just so unfamiliar and, you know, he brought in all these free agents and he just... You know, it didn't feel like the Eagles anymore. And then Doug comes back and he's an Andy Reid guy, right? He was his offensive coordinator, a former Eagles quarterback. And it's like, okay, this is back to Philadelphia Eagles football. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for Doug and I hope the Jaguars do thrive this year. And hopefully they take some steps with Peterson as their head coach. Uh, speaking of that team, one of the core pieces from the Super Bowl team, Jason Kelsey, is still in Philadelphia He talked today a little bit about potential retirement. And it's some good news that we're going to get into coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. The only thing sweeter than watching Jason Kelsey's All-22 tape week in and week out is doing it while you're eating a Bilt Bar. And let me tell you, folks, it's February 4th. It's the Super Bowl anniversary four years ago. Why not celebrate by indulging in some Bilt Bars? Let me tell you what, right after this show, I'm going to get me a mint brownie while I sit down and watch the replay of that Super Bowl. And you could do that, too, because Bilt Bars are available online at Bilt.com. You use that promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get not only the most delicious tasting protein bar, but you're going to get something that tastes like candy. It's healthy. It has 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and almost 20 grams of protein per bar. Go there today. Use that promo code LOCKED15. Try whatever flavor you like. Cherry Barcia. You know by now that I am a big fan of the mint brownie. I'm a big fan of the salted caramel. Lou has his weird taste. With Peanut his butter, taste baby. Buds. Hey, Lou, I saw you trying some alligator yesterday. I'm proud of you. I did. You're trying some good <laughs> stuff. You're trying some good stuff. And we both have in common that we love Bill Bars, and we all do here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. So go check out Bill.com today. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get your delicious Bill Bar. 
All right, Eagles fans, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri, wrapping up this Friday edition of Locked on Eagles. Thank you for making Locked on Eagles your first listen each and every day. We've got the Senior Bowl game tomorrow. I'm still in Mobile for uh, one more day. Yeah, Gino, I had uh, I had alligator yesterday. I tried some catfish, some crawfish. The South is different, man. I've never been down here before, but it's uh, it feels like another planet sometimes. <laughs> It's one of those places where you go and the regional food is just exceptional. Like, yeah, it's super cool. I want to go back to Philly just so I could get a cheesesteak again I know, because man. I can't eat them anywhere else. And that's how I felt about going down to Mobile. It's like I eat barbecue yeah. anywhere else. I'm like, man, this is nothing compared to going Yeah, it's night there. and day now. But uh, um, one thing before we do wrap up the show, there was some news as the players aren't practicing today. They have the day off as we get ready for the game tomorrow. You know, you had the Doug Peterson news earlier today uh, that we got into. Peterson now the head coach of the Jaguars. But for the Eagles right now, you know, a part of the past and the present is Jason Kelsey. And it looks like he'll still be a part of the future. Uh, Gino, he had an interview today. I believe it was on Sports Radio 94 WIP. And he was asked about retirement. You know, because Kelsey has been mulling retirement year after year. He's talked about it, even when he's not really questioned about it at the end of the year, he's brought it up. And this has really been going on since, I don't know, really after the Super Bowl era, after 2017, Mm -hmm. you would hear this at the end of 2018, 2019, 2020. He was asked about it today and he did have a really, I would say, promising quote talking about how if he believes he can still be a great player, a great leader, you know, a great teammate that he has no intentions of hanging it up. And that's the first time we've headed into an offseason where Kelsey hasn't really been wishy-washy about it, which is mm-hmm. really awesome. And, you know, you still have to go year by year with it, but it's kind of like Jason Peters until the last year. You know, it makes a lot of sense why you'd want to, you know, get everything out of a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. And Kelsey right now is still maybe the best center in football. If not, he's top three. And to me, he's still the most valuable player on that football team on offense. And so that's really good news to have him. If the Eagles are going to take another jump in 2022, Jason Kelsey being on that offensive line will be instrumental. I think back to that picture after, was it last season, where it was Zach Ertz, him, and Carson Wentz, and they sat out in Lincoln Financial Field, and everybody thought that was the last we were going to see with him. Well, we thought the last we were going to see at Kelsey was 2018, then 2019, then 2020, now 2021. And here we are again saying this guy's going to start in 2022. And you want to hear him say that because I'm sure not just Doug Peterson, as we continue that conversation, was affected by the whole thing. I'm sure Kelsey, who was there during the end of the Reed era and saw what it was like to be in a building that really cherished like your head coach and everything, and then saw the Doug Peterson thing go down and say, man, like, do I really want to sit through this again? So to see Sirianni come in, they continue to play with his strengths and Jeff Stoutland. Like, as long as Jeff Stoutland is here, I believe Jason Kelsey will be here. So mm-hmm. give Jeff Stoutland the key to the city of Philadelphia to make sure Jason Kelsey doesn't go anywhere. And the thing that is different than Jason Peters is, Lou, Kelsey's still in the prime of his career. I mean, this guy could hypothetically probably play for six more seasons if right. he really wanted to. You could still get elite level play out of this yeah, guy this at isn't least Jason for Peters. one or two more years for sure. Yeah, this is this is not 2020 Jason Peters. I know Kelsey himself has been considering retirement, mm-hmm. but it's not like you're thinking we need to move on soon as right. if he's going to drop off. I, I don't think that's the case at all. It's really based on Kelsey more than it is the Eagles. And I, I think you mentioned it. The Eagles – winning this year, making the playoffs, something it did do that'll help you 
is having Jason Kelsey potentially still want to be here long-term because as you mentioned, you know, heading into another era, a new head coach, a new system, if they win four or five games, if they don't turn it around after being two and five, maybe he feels more like it is time to hang it up. But I feel like, you know, winning seven of nine down the stretch and making the postseason makes Kelsey believe this team can take another step next year. And I think that did help him convince himself that he should come back next year because the ceiling is higher than maybe people expected heading into the year. So that's super important. And it makes it easier too, because now Landon Dickerson can stay at left guard. You don't have to move all these people around and maybe Isaac Samalu plays center coming off a season ending injury. And then you got to put Jack Driscoll at right guard or Nate Herbig and there's more moving pieces. Now you have pretty much last year's offensive line entrenched. And then you, all you got to do is figure out right guard with Brandon Brooks retiring. I'm a big fan of the UFC, and when they say in the UFC, if somebody says the word retirement, it usually means their next couple fights, they're going to get smashed. They're just going to get absolutely blown out of the water. Anderson Silva, one of the best fighters in the history of the UFC, he finally got to the point in his career where the game had surpassed him, much like Jason Peters. I still think that Jason Kelsey, if we're talking about like a UFC comparison, it's like a top three title contender. Like he's a guy that can go out there and man up against Aaron Donald. He's going to play the best interior tackle or interior defensive lineman better than any center. He's not like JP who is just like three steps too slow, came in and out of the game all the time. Like Kelsey gets banged up, but he still puts out good tape. And that's the thing. Like as long as the game doesn't pass Kelsey, he's Mm. welcome on my offensive line. I don't think Jeff Stoutland's going to complain if he's there. I don't think Nick Sirianni, who sent him two kegs of beer, like he said, to get him to come out of retirement, is going to complain. Anybody who watches this guy play, anybody who hears him speak, is going to be a fan of Jason Kelsey, Mm -hmm. and he's going to instantly get that jersey retired, and he could probably have a statue in his mummer's outfit after the Super Bowl screaming that that, Jason Kelsey doesn't want to retire. (laughs) Nelson Aguilar can't catch. that. One of the greatest things Uh, of all time, and it's going to stink when that day does come, but hey, there's only four or five of these guys left from that Super Bowl team, man. It's it's the way of the league now, but we're just lucky to have seen Jason Kelsey play at the level that he has, And I'm grateful just for the person that he is to this team. Yeah, glad he's not going anywhere. It's going to be a sad day when he does hang him up, but it doesn't sound like it'll be in 2022. Guys, that's going to do it for today's edition of Lockdown Eagles. Thank you so much for checking out this week of shows. We'll have more content, though, tomorrow for you as the Senior Bowl game in Mobile, Alabama will take place at 1.30 Central Time, 2.30 Eastern Time. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channels. We have exclusive video content there. We're available five days a week on all podcast platforms, and we're on Twitter as well. We'll be doing live updates throughout the game tomorrow at Lockdown Birds, at GC24 underscore football, and at DiBiase, L-O-E. For my co-host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. Thank you for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.